Welcome to Mac Geek Gab, episode 923 for Monday, April 11th, 2022. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show that takes your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found about Apple and all related and sometimes unrelated tech products uh, and concepts and software and all of that stuff. We take all of your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. We add in some quick tips and cool stuff found of our own sometimes, sometimes even some questions of our own. We're all one community here. We mash it all together into an agenda and then we go through that agenda together, answering your questions, sharing all these tips, sharing all this stuff. With the goal being that each of us, me, John, Pete, you, every single one of us, we each learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include BB Edit from Barebone Software, Collide at collide.com slash MGG, Trade, some of the most fantastic, the only coffee that's ever made me like coffee from drinktrade.com slash MGG, where you can get 20 bucks off your first three bags. And hunterdouglas.com slash MGG, custom shades and more. And you can go there and get your freestyle, get smarter design guide. We will talk more in depth about each and every one of those sponsors a little bit later in the show. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fearful, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And, you know, Pete's here, folks, but uh, mute buttons are a funny thing. They make it so you can't really hear. Uh, Wait, what? I heard <laughs> I heard myself. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad I've never done that before. Yeah, yeah. there is a first here. time for everything. You know, yeah. In, yeah. in Lee, New Hampshire, this week is Pilot Pete. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's glad to have you back, man. For your memory. I forgot I muted myself. Yeah, no, it's good. Hey, you learned, like, the good news is, like, you're already, you get to check off one of your five. Like that's how it is. Trainable. Yeah. Hey, being trainable neuroplasticity, man, like that. If there, if there is one thing at the core of this show, it is coming in prioritizing neuroplasticity because without it, you can't learn your five new things. So yeah, Yeah. it gets harder though. I can attest to that. Oh, same, same. You can remind yourself of one of the things, uh, by going to MacGeekup.com slash merch though, and getting one of our Don't Get Caught logo t-shirts. So go check that out. Uh, I'm not wearing one today, but uh, I think I was last week. Uh, if you check the videos you uh, that we do, you can you can see them. Uh, again, not this week's though. Yeah. I'm wearing my, uh, you know, uh, about, about five or six years ago, I bought uh, a, a t-shirt that's more expensive than ours. Uh, a $45 t-shirt at the Apple store in at the a- Apple Park in in Cupertino, the new one. And so I am dollar cost averaging the price of this shirt down by wearing it as often as I can on the show. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hey, speaking of things that I learned, one that I learned literally this morning, all week and really quite often recently, I have been having a problem where I go to load things in Safari and like websites either just don't let me in or they won't even load and it's like, what is going on here? 
And then I would, but I would go load, you know, Chrome, Firefox, Edge, and they work totally fine on the same computer. This is down on my Mac in the, my M1 Mac mini in the office, which I think might be relevant to this. And so I, uh, this morning it happened again. I was trying to go to one of my banks. It was like discover.com or something. And so I looked in the preferences and I found something that I had not seen before. And I'm curious if you guys see this. It, 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 um, I am on macOS Monterey 12.3.1 on that machine and on this one here in the studio. But this is a 2019 Intel iMac. And so if you go to Safari preferences and go to the privacy tab, uh, you will see I saw on my Mac mini a there is the so again, Safari preferences privacy. There is the hide IP address section. And there's a checkbox that lets me hide IP address from trackers on this computer. But on my M1 mini downstairs, either I have a different setting or it's different because it's an M1. I get two options with a drop down. One is hide IP address from trackers only. And then the other is hide IP address from trackers and websites, or maybe it's and websites and trackers. It's clear when you read it. I had it. It. It had it on hiding my IP address from both. So that's using iCloud private relay. I changed it to just hiding my IP address from trackers. And I was instantly able to get into all these websites that I was having trouble getting into. So I'm curious, do either of you see this drop down on your computers? Dave, I'm, I'm looking at mine in, uh, in yeah. Safari and I only and I've got a new M1 laptop and I only have hide IP address from trackers. So what the heck? In the privacy tab. I've got oh. prevent cross-site tracking. Yeah. Right, right. That, that's separate. Yeah. And yeah. then there's the Lock hide IP address from, from trackers. John, yeah. do you have the drop-down? Uh, no, because I'm on Intel. I don't. I, I Clearly, Pete just proved it's not an M1 versus Intel thing. No. All right. Because Pete's on M1. Sure. Yeah. And you are yeah. on 12.3.1. Yeah, just to make sure, Pete. I'm on Safari version 15.3, and my, uh, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, my operating system is 12. Ooh, 15.3. Right. Yeah, because uh, I'm on 15.4 in both. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. And I'm 12.2.1. Oh, so you need to update, Pete. I need to update. I'll yeah. do that right now. And see yeah, you guys that sounds like a great idea. Just kidding. This is yeah. a perfect time for that. Uh <laughs> Or it, it could have just been a discover thing because, you know, I, I no, 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 then I'll have no, I'm telling happen. you that there is a drop down in Safari's preferences. So the question is, why is that? Right. And changing it instantly changed the problem. Right. Like it, it definitely fixed it. So why do I have this drop down? Do either of you have Safari technology preview installed? No, I do not. OK, I do on both machines. So clearly that's not the. Deciding factor. Well, if anybody knows, if anybody knows why I'm seeing this drop down and no one else is, uh, yeah. I most guarantee mine's because of the, I ain't updated. But. Oh, okay. So maybe it yeah. is an M1 thing, but it only is on Safari in 12.3.1. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll, I'd buy that. Sure. So I will, uh, I'll get back to you later today on that. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Though I did have a couple days ago, I got the message that you probably got. It's like, you know, I, I, I use discover as well for a number of things. And when I tried to go to discover.com, it's like, uh, yeah, the server dropped the connection and I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, this wasn't even that. It just was like mm. munging on. It was delayed loading and so delayed that it literally wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. So we might have an answer to this comment in the chat room. You exactly right. Brian Monroe's comment in the chat chat room. He says, um, if you go into control, you know, system preferences <laughs> called the control panel. And you almost got me there, Brian. Uh, system preferences, iCloud. I do not have iCloud private relay beta enabled on this machine. I need to check to see if I have it enabled on the machine downstairs, because I bet that. Uh, would be at the core of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That would make, that would make sense. I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm hemming and hawing for time to see if I can log in quickly to that machine downstairs and confirm this before we, uh, before we move on. Indeed, I have private relay beta turned on downstairs, so I will turn it off and now I will go into Safari and go to privacy preferences and the checkbox goes away. So it is very much part of private relay beta. This is what I love Ooh, about. Oh. Yeah. I love about doing a live show is we're able to actually get to these things. It makes a quick tip and not so quick tip, but that's okay. Oh no, it was uh, yeah. We learned a thing. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Brian Monroe. Thanks to everyone that joins us and helps out like this. Uh, when we do Brian, this live, Brian seems to know a little bit about me. Brian Monroe is a smart dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, she really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So MacGeekab.com slash live or live.macgeekab.com. I think either one of those will get you there. I know that either one of those will get you there. Yeah. Perfect. Well, see this? We solved it. I had a question, it turned out. I, I thought it was a quick tip, but it turns out it was a question. Sometimes you don't even know. John Bob has a quick tip, doesn't he? Um, I think so. Yes. Um Bob says, at work with Monterey, we have users that lose Wi-Fi connections. Even when their Mac is on power and is set so it does not go to sleep in system preferences, battery, power adapter. It seems if the work users do not set wake for network access, the Wi-Fi radio shuts off when the Mac is idle. The users at work suffer from the VPN into the work getting dropped. But if Wi-Fi is turning off when attached to NAS storage, it could be responsible for losing access to your time machine storage. Okay. And of course, um, where you want to go to set this up is system preferences energy. And you'll see a little checkbox. Wake for network access. Is no. it is it system preferences energy saver on a laptop? I think he's right that it's system preferences battery mm. uh, on a laptop. I, I think so. Pete, you have a, a laptop, yeah? I do. Yeah, me. Okay. Because I, I'm pretty sure it there is it, like energy saver changes to battery when you're when you're on a laptop yeah so i think i think and 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 it's possible this would also need to happen though on a um uh, you know on a on a desktop machine so it would be either or system preferences powered what did we even say i'm so used to energy saver thank you system preferences energy saver or system preferences battery it would be easier if it were uh, just power, but that's not how it is. So, yeah. okay, thanks for catching that. Yep, perfect. Nice, nice. Thank you, Bob. Good stuff. You want to take us to Patrick, my friend? Yes. 
Hey, uh, if you don't use Overcast, the first tip is to use Overcast. Agreed. For your podcatcher player. Yeah. Um, I'm not a current user myself. Oh, dude. I, I like I, he, Patrick's right. Like, mm-hmm. it's, 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 all right. And then nothing more to say. Here. If you yeah. use Overcast, go to the settings by touching the gear icon and go to nitpicky details. Uh, I got a sense of humor. Um, there, set the seek back and seek forward to times to a different amount of seconds. I set mine to 30 seconds forward and 15 seconds back. It makes it much easier to fast forward through sections you don't want to listen to, but still find the parts you want to listen to. Uh, once you try it, it makes more sense. Yeah. It, it, it overcast. There, there's a lot of things that overcast does. This this forward and backward thing also will map to your uh you're like if you have steering wheel controls, either with CarPlay or with Bluetooth, it, it I've had it work with both. So whatever you set to the, you know, the back thing, if you hit back on the steering wheel, that would normally like change the radio station back or whatever. If you're Bluetooth in or CarPlayed into your your phone that's running overcast, it will send that signal through and it'll go back to 15 seconds. The other thing that overcast will awesome. do. Yeah. Very specifically for this show uh, that I heard from uh, and I'll, I'll call them an anonymous listener. Sometimes uh, there is a little bit of dead air on this show. For example, we just had it right while you were pulling up the next question. I do it, too. The nice part is you can set overcast if you use smart speed. Uh, Marco Arment is the programmer behind overcast. He was also the first uh, programmer behind Tumblr. So, he's you know, he's been doing this for a while. Uh, He built this audio playback engine that is entirely overcasts and smart speed will find those gaps and just shrink them. And as somebody was saying, they listened to the, you know, they've been listening to the show for years on overcast and then wound up, you know, tuning into the live stream and they're like, wow, like the dead air is super frustrating when it's in real time, but overcast makes it go away. It's like, ah, there you go. So yeah. And, and overcast will keep the, like, it will speed things up and slow things down uh, just to really to make the, the listening experience better. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Have I never heard of this? Wow. Yeah, it's I'm great. I'm stoked to try this out. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the only way to listen to podcasts, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Audio no. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a feature request. Uh, we had somebody write in, and I don't think we had an answer. Uh, someone wrote in and said, is there a way I can get ums out of an audio stream mm. and I'm not, I'm not aware of a way to do that. Apparently the person that wrote in, um, watches videos. I don't, I don't know if they're uh, self-help or whatever, but how do you get rid of the ums? I don't think there's a way to do it. No, I, I think, I don't think the AI has gotten like, that's one of those things where a human is better than a computer currently with, with that. Yeah, I remember when we used to do the uh, union podcast, I think he went in and manually took the ums out. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's the, I mean, you can, you, particularly when you're dealing with people who have never done it before or once or twice spoken into a microphone, the nervousness comes through and it gets ugly. Um, yeah. They don't want to sound like that. I mean, I hate the sound of my own voice personally, but uh, some people will argue with that. They think I love the sound of my own voice, but to hear myself recorded, it's no fun. Yeah, you you have to get used to it. And you also have to, and I'm 
certainly not perfect at this. I um all the time, as as you listeners know. I have learned, though, that it is okay to have some amount of silence between phrases like it's natural when you're having a conversation with another person. There is a natural silence that happens when you're talking well, and hitting microphones like I am. Your brain says all space must be filled. So while you're thinking, you say, um, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, it's like, yeah, it's extra. I notice it all the time. You know, we pre-record our ads for this show mostly, and I will, you know, I edit them. Things like my verbal tics, like, you know, things like that are the things I use to fill space while I'm processing what to say next. And I chop them all out of the ad reads. It's like, perfect. Yeah. I just don't have time to do that for an hour. Likes, you know, likes, you know, and ums. Yeah, I, there's a couple others that I use that I'm constantly taking out. It's like, ah, yeah, Mike. but it does get I do. It does make me aware of them. So I, I, in theory, have gotten better over the last couple of years when we've been doing the ad reads. I don't know. One thing got better for me, though, recently. Uh, and then and then maybe we, we will talk uh, about a couple of our sponsors after this is I use my AirPods at my desk. Currently, my AirPods Gen 3 at my desk and I hate it. When I leave them in because I know I have another phone call coming up in like, you know, five minutes, I use them as my my AirPods are my favorite Bluetooth headset. So I leave them in between phone calls sometimes. And then when I get a text notification, I see the notification. I'm sitting at my computer. It's fine. But I do my phone calls from my phone. So my AirPods are linked to my phone. All of that's fine. But the notification comes in. I see it. And if I don't like go to the messages app immediately and like read it so that messages knows that I've clicked and read it. Even if I've previewed it, it will begin speaking the message to me in my ear, which is sort of distracting. If I have five minutes in between phone calls and I'm trying to get something done. So I figured out how to turn it off. Uh, You go into settings, notifications, announce notifications. Now you can turn it off for everything. Or you can granularly turn it on and off by app. Now, it turns out there's somebody making noise in the background. I don't know who that is. Uh, but when for me, it was the feature was enabled, obviously, but it was off for every single app except messages. So I think it's on by default for messages and off for all others. But uh, there you go. So that's my that's my tip. Settings on your iPhone. Notifications. Announce notifications is the feature, and you can either, like I said, turn it off en masse or individually for different apps. Super handy. So. Yeah, I had recently turned mine back on. In fact, I, I long story how I got it, but I got my AirPods Pro back. Amazing. I them to my daughter. I got them back. Yeah, that is that's that is the amazing part. Um, but I, some shows back, I recommended the skulls. Uh, skull candies, air, yeah. air candies, I think, or indie airs. That that's what they are, which okay. are amazing earbuds, particularly for the price. But oh my gosh! Uh, and then I got the AirPods back in, and the spatial. Uh, what's it called? Spatial yeah. audio. Yeah, spatial audio. Where if you turn your head, it sounds like it's coming from your iPad or your iPhone or even your your Apple TV. Yeah. The the sound is fuller and richer, and oh my gosh! Yeah, they just you know. You get what you pay for in life, right? You do. Yes. Yeah. There, there's a phrase that I uh, that I like called cheap 
and worth it. Yes. <laughs> there are many times, and sometimes, like, you know, like, that's okay. I, I learned it yeah. from, actually, from the, the reading, the travel books uh, of Neil Peart, who was the drummer from Rush. And he loved to ride his motorcycle between gigs. And they would, uh, he would have a riding partner with him and, you know, he would tell his travel stories. And they loved to stay in cheap motels because they could park their motorcycles right outside the door of their motel. And they didn't care to spend lots of money on hotels. They might spend money on a dinner here or there or whatever, but, you know, they didn't get the, the motel was a room to sleep in. So many times he would, you know, write about, oh, you know, we were between these two cities and we stopped at this motel in my travel log. I remember writing cheap and worth it. <laughs> Like, yep, yeah. we've all experienced those motel rooms before. <laughs> all right. Speaking of things that are actually worth it, I would love to talk about our first two sponsors, Mr. Braun, if that works for you. Okay. All right. Our first sponsor here is Collide. Listen, this is at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G, of course. Collide sends your employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Windows, and of course, Mac OS devices right inside Slack. So this means that Collide is perfect for organizations which care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. And the folks at Collide know that end users are IT admins' most significant untapped resource and are key to solving the most challenging to fix security issues, including things like instructing developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys, finding plain text two-factor backup codes, and teaching end users how to store them securely, and convincing employees to uninstall those evil browser extensions which might sell their browser history. Those are just some of the many use cases not solved by locking down devices. You can try Collide with all its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days. No credit card required. Try it out at Collide.com slash MGG. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Bare Bones with BB Edit 14. You know, one of our favorite new features in BB Edit 14 is the ability to create notebooks instead of having untitled text documents all over the place you can create notes from any convenient source clipboard etc I, I was certainly guilty of this because bare bones is a fantastic place to put your text it was sort of this ancillary use case for it well they've embraced that and notes are now automatically named and managed by the app and now BB Edit 14 supports creating multiple notebooks in any desired locations. This is fantastic. Of course, this isn't what you're mainly going to use BB Edit for, or maybe you are. I use it for all kinds of things. That's one of them. The other is simple things like counting the number of words in a document or comparing two documents. My goodness, it is so good at that. On top of that, of course, you're able to edit all the code that you need to edit. And BB Edit is smart about when it opens up a file that has code in it, it starts highlighting things, not 
on disk, but just on screen so that you can really see what's going on. You can twist functions open and closed. It's amazing. You got to go check it out. Go to barebones.com slash store. That's where you're going to be able to get your 30 days of fully functioning demo to try out. Even if you've tried it out before, go do it. Barebones.com slash store. And our thanks to BB edit for sponsoring this episode. All righty. Uh, John, you want to take us to Henrik and maybe a solution for you and people like you having issues with older printers? Yes. So, uh, Henrik says, John actually got caught with that old printer. Here's a tip for using old PostScript printers on a modern Mac OS. And yes, PPD is short for post PostScript Printer Description. So the blob tip only works on PostScript printers. Uh, fortunately, my printer is both PostScript and PCL, which is the other common printer language. Sure. Uh, the PPD file can either be extracted from your old Mac or the latest available installer, which I don't have, <laughs> but I do have the PPD file. Um, once you have the PPD file, it can it can be put basically anywhere except for documents or desktop folders synced with iCloud. The easiest way I found is to create a folder in the public folder inside the users folder. Name the folder something descriptive, like brother printer PPD, or in my case, GCC printer PPD. And then just copy the printer into that folder. Then go to system preferences, printers, and scanners. Then click on the plus sign to add the printer. Select the printer, but instead of letting the Mac select the printer software to be used, you manually set the input field use to the option other. This will bring up a dialog where you can navigate to the PPD file. Oh, and Viola, your unsupported PostScript <laughs> printer should now work on your ma modern Mac OS. And uh, I haven't tried this yet. But, I, think, um, I think Pete will be in Paris next week and help us pronounce voila. Mm -hmm. well, some people like music from a viola. Yeah. <laughs> V-I-O-L-A is viola. Yeah. V-O-I-L-A is voila. Uh, did that work for you, John? I haven't tried it yet. Seriously, <laughs> I just assumed that this would have been a topic of conversation. All right. Well, give it a try and let us know. But, but I tried. I tried something similar. It may have been where, you know, I tried this, but the folder was on my desktop. Okay. She said it can't be there. Oh. Um, so I think that's the mistake I made. So put it uh, Put it anywhere else except the desktop, and I think it'll work for me. But yeah, I tried this, and, and when I tried to select the PPD, they were all grayed out. And I'm like, eh, bummer. Interesting. And is it that it can be anywhere else, or does it have to be in your home folder inside a public folder with a capital P? Because that was Henrik's advice. Yeah, I think that was the... Uh, yeah, okay. So I it's think not... that's the magic. That's the magic. Okay, well, let us know. Give it, give it a I'll shot, you know. man. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah, because it's always nice to have those extra options. You know, you can totally. set, like, I mean, I, I I can print with the printer, but I don't get any, you know, fun things like, you know, use, like, for example, this printer has a rear paper tray. Sure. Where, um, Which every now and then I use that feature, but now I can't right. because it doesn't know it's there. Well, if you put something in it. It won't, it doesn't treat it like a manual feed tray where if it senses something there, it just prints to that anyway. No, no. Uh, okay. Uh, 
As far as I know, yeah, it just assumes it'll take the paper out of the main paper tray. Right, right, right. All right. All right. Um, Steve, on the subject of printers, Steve had a uh, a great little quick tip for us. He said, uh, I found this helpful and I thought others might too. I got a new multifunction printer recently. By default, it chooses to print on both sides of the page. For my workflow, I don't always want to do that. And it would be better if single-sided was the printer's default, but I couldn't figure out a way to do that. But I have found that uh, there is a way to set default printer settings inside Mac OS. It's not anywhere in the GUI that I can find, but I may have missed something. Is there a way to do it without having to edit individual settings? And I think there might be. There is in Mac OS, there is the printing system at its core uses a Unix standard called CUPS, the common Unix printing system. And you can access this via a web page. Uh, it is going to be at localhost colon 631 in uh, Safari. Now, when you first do this, though, it probably will tell you that CUPS is not turned on. But you go to the uh, you go to the, the terminal and you and we'll put this in the show notes so you don't even have to think about it. But uh, the, you go to the terminal and type in CUPS CTL. And then web interface, yes, you can just copy and paste it, but it will it will also tell you that right on the screen. And and then you pull up this uh, this cups interface and it will show you all kinds of things. And you can pull up a, you know, a list of your printers there and then you can go into each printer and you can start going in and changing like things like the defaults and, you know, set default options. And on my printer, I can go in and I'll, I'm showing this on the video for those of you that are watching. But, you know, I can set how two sided printing on my printer works right here in the defaults. I have it to do the long edge portrait, but you could set it to short edge for landscape or off. If you want one sided printing, you can set the default media size and all of these things and it's right there on the web interface for, uh, you know, for that installation of Mac OS. So super handy little, little trick that, uh, that lives inside of our, all of our Macs. So it is, it is, you go to HTTP, not HTTPS colon slash S localhost colon six thirty one. But you know, we'll put that in the show notes for you too. So fun stuff. I love this thoughts on any of that guys before we move on. Too geeky for me. Yeah, it is geeky. I know. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I've got well, I've got one printer in the basement and everything next to it. And, and it I'm, just it just works. Keep it up. And yeah, it just works right that's, now. That's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the, it doesn't work, that's when I have to go back to this show and get the show notes. There you go. What the, am I missing? the other way to the other place that you can do this is if the printer itself has its own web interface. Uh, men, yeah. mo all almost all network printers do so that they are configurable over the web or over, you know, over the local network, right. not over the web. <laughs> you know, right. You don't well, want me that. configuring your printer. You want you configuring your printer. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you do want me configuring your printer. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's, you can, that's another way to do this and actually set defaults on the printer. Uh, and that, that's actually where the next question with Eddie was, was going was that uh, Eddie says, uh, uh, at work, I print to an Epson printer 
The problem is that under the media and quality selection, it defaults to auto for both media type and feed from. For some reason, the printer always thinks I'm printing photos and picks the rear tray and photo papers. So this would have been sort of the opposite of your problem, John. Uh, then the printer gives me an out of paper or jam error because there's never anything in that feeder. I can manually select the correct tray and paper type, but I have to do it every time I print. It seems kind of silly. And so that's where potentially going into the printers settings via the printers web interface might let you install, you know, or let you set those defaults for the printer itself. So and Dave, how would you uh, recommend someone find to get their printer IP? Yeah. I mean, I know it's going to be different for everyone, you know, 192.168 or 10.10.10, you know. Yeah, that's a great, where's where that going to hide? That's a great question. It, the, Sometimes the the if the printer has a little display of its own, well, first of all, if it has a little display of its own, you might be able to set the defaults right there and not even worry about the web. Uh, if it does have a display, oftentimes if you go to the network section of that display, it will show you the printer's IP address. Another way to get it is if you can trigger the printer to print one of its own uh, status pages or test pages, it will show you that. And then finally... The last way I can think of is to look in your router's DHCP table and and see if you can deduce. And often the printer will show up with like Epson or something as the name. And then you'll know, OK, that's the that's the IP address for the printer. And then you plug that IP address into your web browser. So that th those are the ways I can think of. John, do you have any other ways of of deducing what your printer's IP address is? Thing. Hmm. For sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. It's a nice utility, which will survey your network and tell you what things are hooked up. And it usually does pretty good about guessing what type of device it is. Um, another one could be, yeah, like you said, your router, like, for example, Eero will also show um, yeah. what type of device it thinks it's talking to. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that's actually another thing I thought of is that my my ancient printer um, actually has its own web interface. Now, I don't think I can use it to select the paper tray, or maybe I can. You might be able to change the def Oh, yeah. I bet you could. Yeah, so it's at an IP. So like you said, so so the IP address of my laser printer is 172.16.1.100, which I sent manually ages ago. And... And that is a good thing to do. That was going to be my next piece of advice was setting the IP address of your printer as a DHCP reservation so that you can so that you always know where it is and it never winds up just randomly changing on you. So, yeah, that that's how um, I've done it is set a believe reservation. Believe it or not, last I checked, this printer does not do DHCP. What? No, you you have to set the IP address statically on the printer here. itself. Yes. Oh man. Well, it's I mean it's twenty what four years old or something. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Huh. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's then, possible. Uh, Kiwi, sure. Kiwi Graham says go to System Preferences Printer Show Web Page, and it says it'll only work if you have the printer installed. Uh, if you don't have it installed, then then Fing or Inet. Yeah. Will get you there. But if it's installed, there you go. Go there. Ahead. You go. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? Where? Yeah, where is it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Fascinating. Cool. All right. You, uh, we've got some photo. I think we're done with printers for now. But if you have your, your printer questions or really anything else to add, feedback at MacGeekCab.com.
is wait, the wait. way to find us. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com? Yeah, Pete, I think he said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Indeed. I, although, I, that will never go away. I mean, I say never. <laughs> you know, let's hope. Oh, you done did it now. Hey, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm going to knock on some wood for the people listening right to so that you all know I did the things I'm supposed to do. Uh, I, I am 100% certain, in fact, that we will be opening up a Discord for all of you, too. Because uh, it is obvious to me, I was talking to a bunch of other podcasters, we had a Backbeat Media podcasters just hang out where we all sort of share ideas. And I, I very much attend as Dave the podcaster, not Dave, you know, from Backbeat Media. And it, it's awesome. Like, these meetings are great. I, I, I say we should have started doing them years ago. And one member of my staff has been saying we should have been doing them for years. But, um, you know, it takes me a little while sometimes. But anyway... Uh, speaking of taking me a little while, many of our podcasters are having great success with a, building a community or giving their communities a home in Discord, and I think we're gonna we're gonna do that too. So uh, we will we will we will have more to share on that as it as it develops, but it'll probably happen real soon. Might even happen you know before the next episode is out. Can't promise that, but. I, I think the more we overthink it, the the worse it's going to be. So it might just be one of those things where we pull the trigger and, and let it evolve and see what happens. So we'll let you know. Now that we're done with printers, though, you want to take us to Bob and start a little segment about photos? Mr. Braun, for some reason all day, I've been wanting to call you Dr. Braun. So I think I'm just going to call you Dr. Braun because it's going to be easier for me if that's all right. But Everybody's getting a medical degree here. That's right. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot about my whole, I think in, I'm a doctor now. <laughs> in my corporate days, some people actually did call me Dr. Braun. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why, but. Sure. Yeah. I, have, I, um, I also have no idea why I'm calling you Dr. Braun, but mm -hmm. it, like, I'm pretty sure it's going to stick. Like, well, there's Werner Vaughn, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think we're related, though. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He made rockets or something like that. He, did. he was a rocket scientist, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. All he right. Did um, he no. did rocket surgery. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's something. Here's something else that Apple screwed up, in my humble opinion. Um, starting on or about March 22nd this year, new photos shot on my wife's iPhone have stopped automatically clouding to her iMac, yet they still automatically cloud to her ipad what she really wants to do is for all new photos from her iphone to cloud to her ipad and imac but doesn't particularly want all three thousand thirty five thousand nine hundred eleven photos on her imac to be on her iphone or ipad with no option for photo stream how do we accomplish getting all the new photos onto all three of her devices automatically without having to have all her photos on all three devices Again, all she wants is for new photos to sync on all her devices. We have turned off then on again iCloud Photos and restarted the iMac. Um, you know, I don't know if I have a good answer to this. Um, he did what I would have done, the dreaded turning it off then on again. Um, but that didn't seem to work. Um, I did find an Apple support article, Dave, and it makes some suggestions. So that that's the best I got. Right. Um, the title of the article is if my photo stream isn't updating, which it sounds like that's what's happening here. So 
what suggestions do they do they offer there? Uh, that that would be the you know the the place to look. Oh, they say uh, uh, make sure it's make sure it's turned on. Turn it on and off again. Yeah, okay. So nothing, nothing spectacular here. One one place. Well, wait. Before we even get to this, I I definitely want to make sure we all acknowledge that. Perhaps the most valuable thing we've gotten out of this question is clouding as a verb. <laughs> I, like this is what a super efficient way to say what he said, you know, the uploading to iCloud, syncing with iCloud, like that whole. That's a lot to, to, to have to say and type clouding. I love it. Love it. We're going to. We're gonna, good, yeah. It's good. No, it's 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 efficient language efficiency. I love it. Um the one thing I would do, and I, I don't think he said that he did this, but it's possibly did, of course, is to check iCloud.com itself. You can see, you know, what I call the truth, right, of, of the database there, because that's what iCloud has. And you get to see the photos that are on iCloud.com. So that's the first thing I would do. Or the next thing I would do, actually, the first thing I would do is exactly what he did. But going and seeing which devices are actually syncing properly and which aren't, because you may not know, right? Depending on the symptoms you're seeing, it might it might be hard to tell. And then, you know, making a change on iCloud.com by you know, deleting a picture, moving it into a different album, something, right? So see if that triggers a push back down. I just, I had a thing I created, as I've mentioned on the show, I created a podcasting focus uh, for all of my Apple devices so that when I am like this doing a podcast, I only allow notifications from uh, YouTube people and Pete and John and Paul Kent and uh, who does Gig Gab with me and Shannon Jean, who does a small business show with me. And that's it. Well, last week I mentioned I added Allison to that list which might turn into be a huge mistake, but I, cause I need to take that out, but then I don't think I have, but uh, you know, that way I'm not disturbed. But if you folks text me in the middle of a show, like, Hey, dum dum problem, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll know, which is great. I also then built a keyboard maestro action. We'll call it or no, sorry. Yeah. I built a keyboard maestro action to set up all my podcasts and I wanted it to set up the, um, you know, the, the whole, I wanted it to turn on focus too. It launches all my apps. It sets everything the way I need it set. There is no way to set a focus in keyboard maestro, but there is a way to trigger a shortcut from keyboard maestro. And so that's what I did. And I built a shortcut to turn on my podcasting focus. Well, the one device it didn't sync to is this one. I built it on another device. It was on my phone. It was on all my other Macs. It was on my iPad. It was not here. All I did was go into shortcuts on this Mac. And I, I decided it was a good opportunity to organize my shortcuts. You can put them all into folders now, which is great. Maybe you could always do that news to me. So bonus quick tip for at least one person, me, maybe another. I built folders. I started moving things around as soon as I did that. Boom, the, the turn on podcasting focus shortcut appeared on this Mac. So it's, you, you know, sometimes just making a change, turning it on and off again. There was no way to, with shortcuts to turn the syncing on and off again that I could find. 
but there was a way to make a change and making that change forces it to then like launch into doing something. So making a change in different places when you're having a sinking problem can sometimes be the cure. The, the boot in the backside. The boot in the backside. Thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, I noticed that if you go to MacGeekGap.com, you'll get the show notes from this. And I noticed that you guys put in the uh, support.apple.com is the, is the primary place to go. And sure. I, I would certainly go there first. But that being said, I also put a link in the show notes for a, a site called Mobikin, M-O-B is in Bravo, I-K-I-N. Sure. Com. Okay. And they have an entire article with 15 ways to fix oh. photos not showing up. And and some of them are, you know, plug your computer in, dummy. Well, um, sure. But that, <laughs> I, practically, yeah. you know, practically yeah. uh, to, you know, check if iCloud has enough storage space left to, but but 15 different ways and certain methods to cover those. So that, that looks like a pretty thorough resource as well. Brilliant. To see if, oh. Thanks oh, for okay. putting that in there, Pete. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Thank you. And they may have mentioned what uh, Bill uh, is bringing up to us. Uh, so here's Bill's problem. Uh, my photo syncing on my iPad gets stuck every day, and I have to unstick it manually. This didn't always happen. Is this an iOS bug? Is there a setting I can change? I really want everything to sync always. Um, so I got two suggestions. Um, one would be look at the article that Pilot Pete had, has just uh, linked to. The other one, Dave, is that I had run into this in the past. I couldn't find an article outlining this, but the thing is, in order to sync photos, you have to be on Wi-Fi and you cannot have the camera app running. Because I had this happen once. Oh. You know, I, I looked on, you know, I took a photo on my iPhone and I looked on my Mac and it wasn't there. And I'm like, well, why isn't it there? Um, I couldn't find the article, though, so... That'd be the first thing to try. And the second thing to try would be the thing that Pete pointed us towards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know why they made that decision to not do it. I mean, you know, take a picture and, and it should beam it, you know, to the cloud. It should cloud it for you. It should <laughs> it cloud it for you. The camera yeah. app running, though. I hadn't even. Yeah. I, you know, I have found battery level to be a thing that keeps some photo sync operations from resuming right or causes them to pause but i've also seen it on my mac before too and you know like a desktop mac that's if it's not plugged in it's not running so yeah i don't know that's um that's an interesting that's an interesting thing huh yeah i don't know I don't know. Several people, are, you know, are, are keep it in the uh, what is the low power mode? Yeah, it won't do it in the background if you're in the low power mode on your iOS device. That I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that's the reason for this. Do iPads have low power mode too, or just phones? You know, I don't know. I didn't think iPads did, but maybe it's just because I've never thought to use it because I, it, you know, the iPad battery is massive, so. I happen to have one right here. I'll see if I can get the problem is it's not mine. It's my wife's. So oh, if I, luck. Oh no, there it is. Okay. If you can, if you can unlock it, that's the key, right? right. Sorry, honey. Wander through your iPad. I, I, while you answer that, I'm, I am curious. It, 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 Pete's saying he used his, or is using his wife's iPad, you know, which can be a, a personal device, a private thing. 
I got into my car is in for, you know, routine service or whatever. So I dropped it off at the dealership and uh, my wife followed me down and picked me up. And when I got in the car with her, she was listening to some podcast, right? Like, you know, on her way down, she was alone in the car. And I felt like I was walking into her private sanctuary. Like it, it felt weird. And I didn't say anything about it. It was just like, oh, right. I don't know if she's listening to a podcast. Like that's her thing. And and then, of course, she immediately just turned it off. And, you know, we drove. Actually, we drove somewhere else. We drove to do an errand together. Uh, but I'm curious. I, I know some of you listen to this show and uh, either other people with you choose to listen to it or they are <laughs> indoctrinated by force uh, or by just not by force, but, you know, by by association, by osmosis. I'm curious, just in general, not necessarily with this show, but it would be interesting to know about this show, too. With For those of you that listen to podcasts, is it a thing that you share with others, like a radio show that's just going on? They happen to get in the car and there it is. You might turn it down a little bit. You wouldn't turn it off. Or is it the kind of thing where it's like, oh, no, like I, I'm paying attention to that. You're now here. We're probably going to talk, so I'm going to turn it off. You know, is, the, is the podcast a... A one person podcast listening, a one person activity or a multi person activity? I guess that's going to be my my question to all of you. And it's a weird question. But, you know, whatever. the answer is it depends. Yes, I, I'm right? sure it does. So, yeah, for me, like this one, everybody should be listening to together and sharing with more and more and more friends. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's ought to be state law. State law. Yeah, we're we're working on that. We've got our lobbyists hard at work uh, down in down in. Uh, we're we're going to make it federal law, Pete. We figure we can do, just do it once. We don't have to do it fifty times. There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah so. I, but I have an answer. Okay. At least on the 2013 iPad that my wife is still running nine years, and it's still wow, wow. You know, I mean, these things are they're awesome. No, no, no low power mode in settings okay. for the iPad battery. Okay, that's not surprising. Uh, but, that's not yeah. surprising. But yeah, no, back to your question. Hey, everybody share this with people. I shared this show with three or four people last week out on the road. Because you know, I keep asking them, hey, well, how do you do that? Why are you doing that? Yeah. You know, I'll share quick quick tips. And oh, yeah. Where'd you learn that? Go, huh, funny you should ask. Funny, funny you should ask. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I see her BSD junkie in our uh, chat room says, iPad will also pause syncing when on battery power and turn it on when charging. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen that on my my iPad. Like it's, you know, it, yeah, the, the and and your phone will depending on how you have things set, your phone will also only do it when it's on Wi-Fi, not on you know cellular or things right. like that to save data. But but yeah, for sure, it it's a you know the photo syncing is generally for me a nightly thing when I plug my phone in. That's when it like all of those activities sort of you know spring to life, if you will. So, yeah. Which goes yeah. back to that whole age old question. Is there any way, and I don't think there ever will be a way to fully share a photo library. I guess the danger is we could both have it open at the same time. Yes. Well, but it could be synced, Pete. Like, like yeah. you're right. Like trying to do it with the photo libraries as they currently exist would be a disaster. You know, you'd have to right. really coordinate with the other person and you couldn't use iCloud. Because iCloud always has the library open. Right. Right. And that's a, that's a big bone of contention with my wife. She, you have those pictures of the kids that I want and I want to put them, you know, like, yeah, sorry. You, you, you know, can so do shared, share you but, can do shared albums, yeah. but that's a manual process. Like, I wish right. I could share a smart album. Right. Right. 
How cool would that be? That that would be an interesting solution. But really, I, I don't know. Yeah, this whole there are a lot of people. I understand the privacy thing, and my pictures are my pictures, and I don't want them shared. And that like that's fine. And I have no doubt if Apple were to implement something like this, they would make privacy like the first feature. That's fine. But there are a lot of people who say, I want a family photo album and every picture I take, I want to be in that album with my, right. you know, with the people I, I've already pre-trusted, you know. Right. So when she goes to do a Christmas card or something, she can find that picture of the kids that was taken at the waterfall or. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. Do Pete. this with family sharing? No. No, it's horrible. No. Oh, okay. No, no, it's not a I thing. Mean, I think, did Google Photos have the, the answer to that? I was using them for a while. They did. And I, I forget why I moved away from it. And then actually, here's another option. And I, Dave, you may be doing this, the Synology. Yes. Photos, right? Yes. Or, so have you moved away from Apple Photos to Synology Photos? No, I, I no. we still use Apple Photos because it, it, it's super easy. It's yeah. built into every device we have. It works well other than this. You know, yeah. and we we already pay for our Apple One subscription, right? right. So, yeah, it's it's totally it's okay. there. We we have all the storage we need, et cetera, et cetera. So we use it. But I also sync all my photos over to my Synology, and then there you do have this option of sharing your entire library or parts of your library in in lots of flexible ways. So, right, I've backed mine up to Synology yeah. using the Synology Photos app, but I haven't gotten anything beyond that so i need i need you to can dig into it yeah dig it's into all, that yeah. yeah no it it's um one thing that i just thought of as we were having this conversation perhaps a reason well it's a solvable problem but it would be a problem let's say the three of us decided to share our photos right we're yeah. all one happy family here so the photos john takes show up on our devices and vice versa okay great how do we it let now let's say we want to add one of us wants to add a fourth person. Okay. Like the family expands. Okay. How, how do we all like, if you Pete decide, okay, I'm going to add my wife to this. Cause I want her to see my photos too. In addition to John and Dave, well, if we're mm -hmm. all seeing the same library, now are you sharing the photos you take and the photos we take with your wife? Like, did we just become a family of four instead of a family of three? And did John I think and I so because the photos she takes are now going to jump in there. Right. So yeah. did did John and I consent to this? Because now my photos aren't just shared with you and John, they're shared with you and John and your wife. Right. Like right. So they're like that starts to become a tricky. That becomes the privacy issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Like yeah. you, you know family less of an issue, but Right. Well, maybe. Yeah. Like, I don't, theory, you know, everybody's family's <laughs> dynamic is different. I'm not here right. to judge, absolutely. but absolutely. But I know some people that would absolutely yeah. not want to share their photos with their spouse. Right. Like right. that, you know, and it's like, OK, so it's just an and that's fine. I, it's not I don't say that judgmentally. I mean, there might be a scenario that I would happily judge, but yeah. in a general sense, it's not judgmental. It's I get it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. John, you're a bachelor. You got it easy, man. That's right. John, John Green in the chat suggests using Plex to manage and share photos. And that is another good way to do this. You yeah. know, that's a, that's I, a great idea. I've got Plex. I've got some photos up on there. And yeah. Yeah. So she could go look at them on the TV at any time. And I assume she could go grab them right off the. Oh, you can sync your phone to the Plex library too. Like Plex oh. is not just for the TV, right? So no photos is a thing. 
Uh, I've never used Plex for photos, but I, you know, I've done when I, when I was doing a lot, when all of my Apple user group sessions moved online because of, you know, COVID and and quarantining and all that stuff. I finally, that was finally my opportunity to teach Plex to people because teaching Plex at the front of a room stinks uh, because you need to see the little things on the screen. And when I'm in front of, you know, even 10 people, let alone 100 people or 200 people, not everybody can look over my shoulder. Well, on Zoom, guess what? Everybody can look over my shoulder. It's amazing. And so I started doing Plex and it was fan. It's been fantastic. Uh, I'd probably do it again. There's some groups that are still not getting together in person. During those, it became a bit of a jam session, most of them, where it wasn't just me teaching about Plex. It was all of us sort of teaching one another how we use Plex. And I encountered quite a few people who uh, are using Plex for their photos and and would share their libraries with us. And it's like, it's a pretty powerful thing. So yeah, yeah. Good call, John Green. I like it. I love Plex and I don't know what they're, um, they they have a lifetime subscription. They do. 10 or 12 years ago, it was 75. I think it's a little more now. I think it's about 100, 120 or something. I think you're right. I think it's, yeah, but it's worth it. Oh my gosh. That is, that is the one app that I am so glad for, for 10 or more years now. Yeah. All my movies, TV series that I want to see and share, like my wife and I watched, uh, watching the Yellowstone now together, even when I'm overseas. Yes. So cool. It's cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have, I have a cool stuff found. There's a, there there is a new Plex feature in the wild and I want to talk about it because I've messed with it a little bit. The next thing that I want to do is talk about our next two sponsors, if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Okay. All right. Hey, you know, who doesn't love to live well, to be perfectly at ease in comfort and in style? Our sponsor, Hunter Douglas, can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs that have gorgeous fabrics and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. This is the right time of year to be doing this, right? It's starting to warm up here in the U.S. And it's time to start thinking about the house. We're doing all kinds of projects. And, you know, Hunter Douglas is stuff that we're eager to test out here, too. And, and you got to go to HunterDouglas.com MGG so that you can see the way the shades diffuse the harsh sunlight they make it so that you can enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. And of course they provide this superior insulation that keeps you warmer in winter, cooler in summer and lowers your utility bills. And then you can use Hunter Douglas's power view technology to automatically reposition your shades. They can be set to do this automatically so that you get the perfect balance of light privacy and insulation morning, noon and night Amazing stuff. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash MGD today for your free Style Get Smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash MGG for your free design guide. And our thanks to Hunter Douglas for sponsoring this episode. You know, most coffee is dull, stale, questionably sourced, but it's easy to get stuck in a rut and drink what you always have. Well, you know what Shannon, my my co-host on another show, says... That a grave is just a rut with both ends closed off. So instead of standing in front of all the options in your grocery store, let Trade Coffee help you find something new to love. 
Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. So whether you're a coffee nerd or you just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use their tech to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing methods. You go, you take their coffee quiz to get started. I did this and I'm, you know, coffee is not part of my, my daily habits. Caffeine is not part of my daily habits, but I have it occasionally. I've never really liked coffee until trade came on board as a sponsor. I learned that coffee can be delicious and you can learn this too. Here's the thing. You are Mac Geekab listeners right now. Trade coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags. When you go to drinktrade.com slash MGG. So to get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash MGG and start your journey to your perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash MGG for $20 off your first three bags. Don't get caught in a rut. Visit drinktrade.com slash MGG and our thanks to trade coffee for sponsoring this episode. All right. So Plex, they added this week a feature that has been, I had forgotten how long it had been on their request list. I had voted for it. They have one of these things online where you can like, you get, I don't know, five votes or something and you can pick the things you want to vote for. They added a watch list. And it's amazing to me that this has never existed before with Plex because it seems like such an obvious thing. Every other, every streaming service has it where you say, these are the things that I want to watch. Yes, I have all this stuff in my library, but I want to watch, you know, this movie next, or I want to watch this series next or something like that. So they added this watch list. It's amazing. They, they call the whole suite of features Plex discover. Uh, I've used it. It's Okay. It's definitely in beta. What the weird part about this, guys, is that Plex usually rolls out beta features to beta users and lets them sort of come to fruition. The whole new syncing, downloading thing that that now is the default for Plex was in beta for probably a year before it ever came out of beta. But the beta was a very public thing. I think with this... They wanted to make a splash. They saw this as a big feature. I mean, I see it as filling a huge hole, but whatever, potato, potato. They decided to do this. And so the beta is in the public releases of Plex. It is not ready for prime time yet, in my experience. Uh, It has gotten better since the day it was released. When it was released, I added a bunch of shows to my uh, Plex library or to my watch list. They were already in my Plex library. And what's cool is it's it, the reason they call it Plex discover is because you can add things that are not in your Plex library. You can tell it, I have Netflix and Apple TV plus and Hulu, and then you can add shows that you don't have the downloads for. And it will say, Oh, you can go, wa-, you know, when you say, I want to watch this, it says, Oh, well, that's available on Netflix. You say you have Netflix and, and, and you know, depending on the device you're on, it'll even link you to that, which is amazing. So I added a bunch of the things that Lisa and I watch. And then I went in and I marked episodes that we have already watched as episodes we've already watched. And the first thing that happened was it removed those series entirely from my watch list. So I was like, that's cool. I'm like, I know that there are episodes we haven't watched. 
they should still be here. And I went and it was like, do you want to add this to your watch list? I'm like, yeah, just like I did five minutes ago. Cool. But that's fine. They they were able to fix that within hours. Like, th- th- so that part was great. So that's fixed. You mark things as watched. They uh, they still stay in your watch list. The problem is, at least as of the last time I checked, when you go to like if I go into my watch list and I say I want to play this show, it doesn't tell me what it first of all, it doesn't tell me which shows have unwatched episodes. So I have no idea whether there's new content for me or not. My watch list just contains everything, which is better than it containing nothing. I get this. That's improvement, but not the kind of usefulness that we want. They are working on this. So I think, you know, we have to treat this feature as beta because they call it beta, but it truly is like feature incomplete is what I will say. So maybe even alpha, right? It is not to the point of what I would call MVP, minimum viable product, right? I think you've got to track and and surface the status of whether things are watched or unwatched, especially when you start comparing it to what Netflix does or what Apple TV does with its watch next thing and all of that. But it's great to see this. So I'm I'm stoked about it. I'm in fact, really excited. Just want to set everyone's expectations like. It's it, you're not going to turn it on and go, yay, or maybe you will. Maybe it works perfectly for whatever you folks want to do. But I, I, it's fantastic that they've finally started this. So excited about it. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. What little playing I've done with it, it found it. But um, but I had hadn't tried any of the, hey, I've watched these shows and I haven't watched those, which Plex does a very good job of that, which is in your library going, hey, you've, wa- you've watched 20 yeah. minutes of this. Do you want to resume? I know it'll take you right to your, your last point. It's yeah, it's great. If I, if I know that I like, if I have an entire season of something in Plex and I just go to that, forget about the watch list. If I just go, it will tell me, Oh yeah, you've watched, you know, 11 of 14 episodes. So, you know, next up is episode 12 and that's still there. I just don't know why my watch list won't show me that it's, it's weirdly disconnected, but it'll get connected. I have no doubt. Like they're, you know, they're on this. So, yeah. And the latest. Oh, sorry, John. You were going to say. Oh, no. Um, quick tip with Plex. Don't access a friend's Plex server when they're encoding stuff. Oh. <laughs> well, well, that happened to me when I was accessing yours, Dave. And I got the message I never saw before. It was like, uh, sorry, insufficient bandwidth. And I'm like, what? And I checked my connection. Connection was fine. And I'm like, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, so the- I don't know if you need to get a beefier. I do my I do my Plex on Synology. What I would recommend, it, assuming like for for me, I have a fiber connection, right? So mm-hmm. lots of you know I have a gigabit upstream, mm-hmm. and I would recommend. And every time I go to a an Airbnb or a hotel or whatever, Plex defaults to transcoding when remote. So. It will say, oh, yeah, I'm only going to send the, you know, four megabit per second or three megabit per second uh, file from my server at home to, you know, my Airbnb and wherever I am. You know, it doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I have enough bandwidth to to send the raw file upstream. So make sure you set your Plex client on your Apple TV or your iPad or your computer or whatever mm-hmm. to to get the full speed thing because then you don't have to worry about 
my server's ability to transcode because it's just going to send you the data and you'll get the full 4K if I happen to have the, you know, if I've if I've ripped the full 4K thing with potentially with Atmos sound, although getting Atmos sound from Plex via Apple TV to a soundbar is nearly impossible. But uh, that's just because of an Atmos, you know, how Atmos works. But yeah. So. Right. And John, you brought up a feature there with the people may not be aware of, which is you can share your server with, you can invite friends to watch your movies, your TV shows that you have and, and vice versa. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I love that part of Plex. I love that. I can just be anywhere. And as long as I can and watch your stuff, access yeah. a Plex client, most TVs have them. So it like, right. even when I was, I think in, in the hotel I was in, I was able to add a Plex client to my TV. It's great. One Piece of advice, though, if you do that while you're traveling, whether it's Plex or Netflix or Apple TV, if you log into something, I make a checking out of whatever, you know, a, a checklist in my Apple notes and I share it with people that I'm traveling with. So if I'm traveling with the family or just with Lisa or whatever, I'll, I share that note and I make it a checklist. So when I sign into Plex, I put on the list, sign out of Plex. And when I'm, it's ready to check, and when I'm ready to check out of the room, I go through, and it's like, ah, yeah, okay, I got to sign out of Apple TV, and I got to sign out of Plex, and you know, Netflix, if we happen to use all three or whatever. So, don't forget because you don't want to leave yours. I can't tell you how many Airbnbs I've gotten to, and it's like, oh yeah, it's signed into the account of the last person or the person that was here six months ago. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah, it's great. Hey, uh, speaking of. Traveling and not traveling, Apple's WWDC has been announced. It will run the week of June 6th, and it will be online, as we have seen in the last two years. Except the first day, there will be some amount of seats available for humans at Apple Park in Cupertino to gather together and watch the pre-recorded live streams of the keynote and the State of the Union, which I always call Keynote Part 2. So I'm not sure how one will procure a ticket for this. I don't know how in demand they will be. There is value in getting together with other humans, for sure. Uh, you know, especially I can I've always maintained that I can say it experientially now, having been able to go to South by Southwest in person last month to go to Podcast Movement Evolutions in person last month. It there is so much more to a conference than just watching the speakers speak, right? It's the the hallway, the hallway track is what we always call it at, at the conference. The people, you know, we we were both interested in that session, and now let's let's communicate with each other and meet each other and and you know form relationships, but also just learn together. So um, I'm curious to see how that will evolve. It, it's interesting that they will not be, at least for this year, returning to a live presentation. It will be people in gathering in a room to watch the pre-recorded presentation. Now, will Tim Cook come on the stage before the thing and welcome the people that are in the room? I, I'm sure. Like, I, I would be surprised if that kind of thing didn't happen. But it sounds like the meat of the presentation will no longer be a live thing. And and I, I'm not, I don't think that's bad. Like they're, they're, they're can't, they're pre-recorded productions for these presentations over the last two years have been so much better than the live ones. Although the energy of a live demonstration and, and all of that 
there's some value to it, but in terms of being able to efficiently communicate this stuff, nothing beats the, the pre-produced things that Apple has been doing. So I don't know, just a, something I wanted to share. Yeah. I don't know if either of you guys have thoughts about any of that. I've never been to one. I would like to go, but not yeah. this year. Not this year. That's right. You walked me to a. That's right. Uh, I remember that uh, it was uh, in San Jose, right? A Steve Jobs event in San Jose. Yeah, we couldn't. We we tried to weasel you in. I'm like, I have yeah. one of my other Mac Geek Cub co-hosts with me. Can we? They're like, is his name on the list? Me. I'm like, you could put it on the list. They're like, yeah, we're not gonna. Here's a pen. Right. Here's a pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at least Pete knows the way to San Jose. I do indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have to even fly the plane there. I bet. I do indeed. Yeah. yeah. Although my current plane doesn't go there. Is the runway too short? Um, probably not. Okay, but you just you know it's uh, uh, triple triple seven is limited. Uh, yeah. The number of you know we do Seattle and Los Angeles, Phoenix, okay, Houston, Atlanta, and Newark, and Memphis. Oh, and Indy, but that's that's it as far as I know in the domestic U.S. A triple seven can't land at SFO. Could it could it could absolutely yeah oh. and yeah, but okay. i'm just saying those are that's our current route structure your it's route like, structure those are, oh okay yeah, sorry those are served more by seven sixes and, and got it md11s okay such, but, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait the 777s uh, too popular of a plane no, it's an ama- yeah it's yeah. an amazing short field uh takeoff and landing airplane really? when you know it oh, it's got so much power you can't see straight okay. it is it is over i, I think it's over a hundred thousand pounds a side now per can or per wow. engine, I should say. Wow. Um, yeah. If uh, you guys, I'm telling you, when there's times I've never seen anything like this in my life, we do reduce thrust takeoff to save the engine because you know if you went max power every time, you'd really smoke your engines. Um, okay. Yeah. We take off with the engines frequently in the 82, 83 power. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. And, yeah. And, and so when you go to climb power, the engines actually throttle up, not down. To go to climb power really when every other heavy airplane i've ever flown you take off you know 98 100 110 percent don't ask me how you can get to 110 percent power but or thrust but you can uh <laughs> it's it's engineering <laughs> it's magic it's engineering but, but uh, not math it's right that's not no, math <laughs> no but then when you get to 1500 feet for climb power you you actually throttle back to 95 percent 98 percent this airplane, you take off at 82% and you get climb power and it throttles up to 90%. It's wild. Uh, that's that's it's, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Huh. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, amazing. there's our little aviation detour. For no, the I, I love the aviation <laughs> stuff. That's that's fun for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Where are we on time? We really should end. I, I want to... Over sh- an hour... 10, yeah, an hour and 14 is where we are right now. I, I, I do want to do a little bit of show and tell. I uh, mentioned that it, my most recent travels, while we're on the subject, were greatly enhanced, especially my ability to work during my recent travels was greatly enhanced by having and traveling with a portable monitor. And uh, I wanted to talk about a, another one that I've been checking out, which is the Asus Zen screen, which is a 15.6 inch uh, monitor here. It is portable, flat, super flat, super lightweight, comes in a little case. And uh, it, it it's amazing. It um, it all is powered by USB-C. 
driven, I should say, driven and powered by USB-C. So you just need one cable from, uh, you know, for me, from my laptop to the device. And that's it. Power. Everything else goes right along with it. And it's uh, it's fantastic. For those of you watching the video stream, it's got you can see, but it's got this little kick out stand that sort of comes out the back of it to let you set different angles for how you want it to you know, to, to sit. And it, it's just, it's like super simple. There's nothing, there's nothing to say about it. You plug it in and it works. And that's the part I love about it. <laughs> so yeah, it's the Asus Zen screen. It's 15.6 inches. It's the MB 16 AC, they call it. But, uh, but yeah, I I'm, I'm super stoked with it. It's, it's such a game changer for traveling. Uh, or honestly, I'm thinking of setting this up at the desk in the house because I don't really have a computer station at the house. I have, you know, the, the office in the studio. But if I set this up at the house and I can just plug in, I am used to working on two screens. So things like, I, I don't know, I, most everything I do, I like to have two screens. I like to to see two full windows up. And often I like to have two browser windows up looking at something in one and and working in another because there's so many web apps now that having that second screen is a really handy thing. So um, I like the price point on that. That's what, 229 229 That's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, you're, you're not going to break the bank with these kinds of things. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Good, good stuff. A little cheaper than an iPad Pro, you know? A little? Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And bigger. Uh, bigger yeah. screen. Yeah. yeah. If, if all you're using it for is a big screen now, obviously. Like, well, there's an that. iPad Pro has a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more oomph to it, but, you know, there you go. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of things here. Just one one technical glitch. I'll take it. We were, for those that watch either the video stream or the, uh, the, the little snippets of the video stream that Sadie chops up to do just a quick tip or a review segment or, you know, a question segment or whatever, we are working to do a lot more real-time video production so those of you that were listening wouldn't be aware of this but we were constantly moving and pete you were a huge help with this today thank you uh he shouldn't have given me the keys to that well it's fine you know things (laughs) worse things have happened than jumping into an ad read midstream uh but uh, you were, you know, we were focusing on different the speaker at different times and showing more screen banners, up. screen grabs and banners and showing questions from from the audience. But I will say that these things really are mostly for post-production stuff, the little snippets that we're creating. Uh, the show is an audio show and will remain a, an audio show by by definition and by priority. So. Uh, when when we start talking about something that's shown on the screen, we will be continuing to describe it for you so that you don't miss out if you are just listening. And I, I and even saying just listening is wrong. If you are listening, there's there, there's certainly if you want to watch us do this, then there's the the video stream. It's at macgeekab.com for every episode, but it is still very much an audio show. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end. The band's playing. I'm ready to go get lunch. It's all the good there things. Go. Yeah. Speaking of bandwidth, there's the band. There's the band. <laughs> bandwidth. That would be a funny name for a band, like a geeky band. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, that would have been a, like a good name for the Macworld All-Star Band. You know, bandwidth. Yeah. I don't know. 
It, or it, would have, it would have described what happened to each of us members of the band over the years. We would gain width. Eventually become the wide band. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, could be you could be the wedding band. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop. Yes. Yeah, no, this is great. This is I love the the back and forth. It's um, it's outstanding. So you say we're bandying it about. Is that what you're? Man, the bandying about. There you go. I like it. That's good. It's great. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for checking out uh, our sponsors. Make sure to visit MacGeekUp.com for everything. You can sign up for our mailing list so that you get the show notes delivered to your inbox every week. At, right after the episode comes out, I've actually changed the timing of that. So if the episode comes out Monday morning, you get the show notes Monday morning. I, I, I didn't have it that way in the past. And now I do. And I'm really happy about that. Uh, small things. But go there. You can see the show. Get the show notes. And, uh, and you can also go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors to, um, to see all of our sponsors. And that, of course, includes the ones we mentioned in this episode. HunterDouglas.com slash MGG, DrinkTrade.com slash MGG, BareBones.com, Collide.com slash MGG. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure to subscribe at MacKeekUp.com slash calendar if you want to join the live stream. Dr. Braun, I got us into this mess, my friend. Would you like to... Uh, would you like to help us get out? I'm going to give you some doctoral wisdom. And that wisdom is don't get caught. Made up.